Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Back to Ashes. My name is Phoenix. Before I get started, there were a couple of belated birthdays that I had forgotten to mention for the month of February. So, here are those birthdays. Dominic McGurin, February 10th. Dead Girl 717, her grandfather, February 10th. Happy belated birthday to Dominic and Dead Girl 717. Thank you so much for your support. If you would like to learn how to become a member of the channel or buy me a coffee as a special thank you, that information can be found down below. With all of that being said, it is time to go back to ashes, for once we arise from the ashes, we are a bigger, brighter, stronger, and a happier person in the morning. Sit back, relax, kick back, grab a snack, or tuck in and get warm, and prepare for this dose of melatonin entitled True Disturbing Driving at Night Stories. If you are new here and enjoy what you are hearing, or you have been here and haven't done so yet, please don't forget to subscribe, like, share, and comment. Not only does it help support the channel, but it also reminds you of every time I upload a video. Right after this intro, an ad will play. Right before the first story, an ad will play. And after that, there will be no more ads within this video. Many years ago, I was on what is called a meeting turn. This is where a driver that is domiciled out of the city will drive a load halfway to its destination, while a driver domiciled out of that destination will drive halfway with a load that is destined for my city. We meet in a parking lot, switch trailers, and drive back home. I had been on this run for a few months now and found out I always got to the meet point about an hour before the other driver. It was a dark and empty dirt lot at about 3 a.m., so I would stretch out across the seat and take a short nap. One night, about 10 minutes into my nap, I was awoken by a barking dog. I tried to ignore it, but it carried on for several minutes and got louder as the dog seemed to get closer. Soon, it became apparent that the dog was right outside of my truck, barking at me. Okay, either this dog is lassie and is trying to alert me of something, or else he is just a pain in the ass and I will need to throw something at him to scare him off. It is important to note that the barking had been going on for a good 10 minutes at this point. So I sat up and looked out the window. 
Standing there, mere inches on the other side of the glass, was a man of about 35. He was a large fellow and was barking at me. His eyes were crazy and he was frothing at the mouth a little. The scene really held my full attention for a moment. The sheer creepiness of this struck me. Gently and making an absolute minimum of sudden movements, I reached down and started my truck and slowly pulled away. He chased me, much like you might expect any angry dog to do, barking all the while. Needless to say, it played hell with my power naps from then on. This happened about three years ago, right at the height of Pokemon Go's popularity. I play it regularly with my fiance Luke. We decided to get clever and instead of walking to make our eggs grow or whatever, I would just drive around the residential streets slowly, about 15 miles an hour. We always drove the same path and we did this for several weeks. At the time, we lived in a very, very small one-traffic-light town. The town was primarily low-income families. We usually played Pokemon at about 10 to 11 p.m., as did several other locals. Without other entertainment, it was a fairly popular game around the town. This particular night, I'm driving the normal path with Luke. We are catching sick Pokemon left and right and hatching eggs like crazy. We paused in the water department parking lot to catch our 217th Ekans. For those that know about this game, I'm sorry if I slaughtered the names of Pokemon. I haven't played it in, I don't know, 25 years. We drive for about 10 or more minutes and park next to an empty lot. Across the street is a normal residential landscape with houses and whatnot. I'm catching my first Pikachu. I am stoked as fuck right now and some guy drives by in a beat-up old SUV. He slows down and asks me if I am okay. I smiled and flashed my phone screen and told him we were playing Pokemon. He said something like, okay, have a good one. But he seemed weird. Uh, I don't know, but it creeped me out. So we leave and make our last loop around the neighborhood, pausing as we go to collect various Pokemon. About 15 minutes later, we are back by the empty lot because there's another Pokemon. Suddenly, the house across the street starts pointing beams of light at me. Very small and bright. It was weird. So Luke and I noped the fuck out of there. As soon as we did, the beat-up old SUV starts tailing us. I didn't even see where he came from. I turned onto the main road to head home. I didn't even realize anything was wrong at first. He pulls up next to me and I can only see a male driver and a female passenger. The driver is shining a blinding light at me through his window as we drive. At this point, I am simply pissed. I keep asking Luke what this guy's fucking problem is. I'm telling him to tell the guy to fuck off. All the while, I am becoming petrified. 
I am a rather confident person, but I am not a confident driver, and I had no idea why these people were fucking with us. But I do know that it is the same guy that asked if I was okay earlier. I don't want to drive home because I don't want to lead these people to my house, but I had no idea what to do. I decided to drive to the police station, but there was no one there. Parking lot empty, lights were off. We were fucked. We have two police officers, so they both must have been out patrolling. I was shook. I was raised in a large city, so tiny town living and no police at the fucking police station was so foreign to me. I had no clue what to do. So I drive to the little hospital and manage to lose them. My fiance and I immediately changed seats without speaking. We sat there for about 15 seconds and then pulled out. He is behind us again and he's getting really aggressive. I call 911 at this point and begin trying to dispatch, telling them that a crazy guy is following us. At this point, Lucas flying through the town at random. He's running red light, speeding 70 plus in residential areas, tearing through people's lawns. This was seriously as insane as it sounds. Everywhere we went, he went too. Every time we sped up, he did too. We had no idea what he wanted, but we knew he wanted to hurt us. We could feel it. At one point, we are tearing through yards in my car. There were no fences. And the guy manages to box us in. I am still on the phone with 911 at this point. We are stuck between this car and a copse of trees. Immediately upon stopping, the guy jumps out, as does his female passenger, and two very large male passengers in the back seat. Luke immediately pulls out his gun, points it at them, and screams, Get the fuck back! I'm not playing with you! Get the fuck back! They all bolt back to their vehicle and made off. I am absolutely shaking and sobbing at this point, talking to 911, and the lady finally asks me where I want the cops to meet me. I tell her the local gas station. We are there within 20 seconds, as are the cops. This town is seriously so little. I don't know how the cops didn't see us or intervene while we destroyed dozens of yards at midnight and drove extremely fast and recklessly. Seconds after we pulled in, so does the SUV. The guy jumps out and begins to rush my car. Cops stop him. They talk to him for a while. We are just sitting in our car, shaken. Older cop finally walks over to us and says, So, did one of you pull a gun on him tonight? We were shocked. This is the only thing he asked us. We told him yes, explain. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Explained everything that happened. Cops went and talked to him again, came back, and basically said that the guy thought we were casing his house because he kept seeing our vehicle pass it. The cop told us we were lucky that he decided not to press charges because Luke pulled his gun. My car had decent damage from driving through trees and bushes and shit. Scratched up, pretty sure the guys were going to beat our asses anyway. And the cop tells us we are lucky. We were so scared and shaken up. We didn't argue anything and left when they allowed us to. But not before they ran all of our info and made us feel like criminals. Like we were childish and stupid for playing Pokemon. The cops openly laughed at us. We went home and stayed up literally all night long, taking turns peeking out of our window. We were convinced that they were going to drive around, find my car, and then harass us. The next day, we had a high-tech security system installed. I have since seen the guy and the girl several times. I worked at the school when they had young children. I had never seen or interacted with them prior to this day or after, but I know they knew who I was. So I'm glad I don't live there anymore. I also never play Pokemon Go after that night. I should also mention that I understand why the guy thought what he did, but I do not think his reaction was justifiable. I'm a long-haul trucker. I see and deal with a lot of weird and creepy stuff. I was traveling up US-93 in Nevada, heading toward Portland, Oregon, for a delivery. It was around 1.30 in the morning, and I needed to stop and log my half-hour break. I found a wide spot and pulled off, did my log-ups, and made myself a sandwich. While I was eating said sandwich, I noticed a vehicle pulled in behind me. I did not get too concerned about it, but kept one eye on it while I ate. Then it got strange. I noticed a figure in the headlight of the vehicle approaching the back driver's side of my trailer, stop, and looked like he or she was rubbing the back side of the trailer with his or her hand. Suspicious, I got my pistol out of my lockbox in my sleeper, cocked it, and locked it, slid it behind my waistband, and proceeded to climb out of my rig. I walked about 10 feet back, kept my hand on the butt of my pistol and flicked my flashlight on and aimed it at the person. It was a man, weird looking fellow in a dirty whitish trench coat, long straggly hair and bald on top. He was rubbing something on the side of my trailer. I hollered at him to stop what he was doing. He looked up at me, smirked, and without turning his gaze off of me, starts walking towards me. I back my way to my door, 
keeping my hand on my pistol, but not pulling it out. I did not feel my life was in danger at that moment. So I opened the door, climbed into my rig, shut the door, and locked it. This guy walks up to my door, looks up at me, still smirking. I'm thinking, what the fuck? This dude is off his rocker. I'm thinking my half-hour break is over, and it is time to go. However, while I'm looking down at him and getting ready to turn the key, I feel my truck rock. I jump and look in the driver's side mirror. Nothing. I look over to check the passenger side mirror, and there, on my step, a face pressed to my passenger side window. It is a freaky, perfect replica of an old witch, smiling, rotten teeth, cocking her head left, then right, fogging up my window. Needless to say, I about sucked my seat up my ass, but that's not the end of it. Oh no. The dude then jumps up on my driver's side step and proceeds to start licking my window. Then the witchy lady starts smacking my window with her palm over and over again. The dude starts telling me to open up. Hey, hey boy, open up. Come on now, open up. We are friendly. What you got in that trailer of yours? Anything good? Open up, boy. Now I feel threatened. I pull out my pistol. The chick immediately disappears off the passenger side step. The guy laughs, jumps up and down on the step, then grins, touching his finger to his nose, then jumps off my step. I fired my truck up and took the hell off. Never did see any headlights following me, thank God. Disturbing travelers, I hope we never cross paths ever again. This didn't happen in my house, but it happened near my house. It was by far the creepiest thing that ever happened to me, so I have to share it with you. I was driving home from my then-girlfriend's house at around midnight. It was summertime and very hot, and it had rained earlier that evening, so it was kind of foggy. I had to drive down Route 17, which is a really old road that ran from where I lived to where she lived. It also passed through Burkittsville, the town where the Blair Witch Project came from. I was driving through the area that was mostly old rundown farms. The road was a lot of sharp turns in them, so you had to drive slow. I was going through a turn and through the fog, I all of a sudden see an old man walking across the street. I slammed on the brakes braced myself for the impact because I knew there was no way I was going to stop in time. I remember the old man turned and looked right at me as my car was about to plow into him. He opened his mouth and looked like he was screaming, no. But as my car hit the area of where he was, it vanished. My car finally skidded and came to a stop. I wasn't sure what the hell just happened and I didn't hear any thump on my car, so I immediately got out of the car and was looking around for a body. I didn't see anything. I went to the front of my car and didn't see any damage, 
I walked behind my car a few feet and couldn't see anything. I must have walked at about 40 to 50 feet in the entire perimeter, and I started getting freaked out. And then I heard what sounded like footsteps coming from the darkness. I pretty much shit myself by this point and sprinted back to my car. I told my mom the story the next morning, and just telling the story gave me goosebumps. My mom, who normally doesn't believe in the paranormal, looked at my arms and said, Just by your reaction, I believe you. To this day, I am not sure what I saw. I could have just... It could have just been the fog, but it seemed so real to me. I found out later on that I was not the only person to claim to see an old man crossing that road. I used to drive I-80 between San Francisco and Cheyenne, Wyoming, a lot. It's about 16 to 20 hours of driving depending on the weather and traffic and whatever else. Anyway, one day I get out at a rest stop to stretch my legs and take a piss. Maybe buy a Coke. I go into the bathroom and there are already three beefy bearded guys, all naked from the waist down, just laying on the ground, blowing each other in a daisy chain. I looked at them and two of them looked up at me, cocks in respective mouths, and one of them kept going and the other one's eyes went wide as hell. I just said, oh, <laughs> er, sorry, and walked right back outside. Oddly, all I could think of was, wow, gross, that floor is absolutely filthy. A second time, I was driving at night, and the car starts making this odd grinding noise, like I ran over something that got stuck. It's about 2 a.m. I pull into a rest stop that's very well lit, and wake up my buddy who was sleeping. I explained to him as we went out of the car, we both hear what sounds like a kid crying. There are no other cars at this rest stop, but we frequently heard stories about child trafficking and kidnapping nearby, so we decided to check it out. We grab our flashlights and head towards the noise, which is coming from the bathrooms. As we get closer, we realize it's coming from the women's bathroom, and it's a low, dull sobbing. We are prepared for the worst. We walk in expected to see some brutally beaten and or sexually assaulted eight-year-old or something. And we see... nothing. The sound is still there, but it's still clearly coming from that room. But the room is empty. We turn on the lights. Still, nothing. Check each stall, the trash can. Nothing. Even start looking for where in the room it was coming from. Nothing. Is it a hidden speaker? Are we on candid camera? I mean, what the fuck? My buddy climbs up one of the stalls to get to the top window in the rest stop, which is vented out and open. He closes it and the noise stops completely opens it and there's no more noise we sit there for a few seconds staring at each other he shrugs then the window slams shut again without him touching it we were out of that fucking bathroom in seconds the noise starts up 10 seconds later 
and as we got to the car. We decided hell no, and we tore out of that parking lot within 10 more seconds. The grinding noise is still there, so this time I pull over a few miles later at a Flying J truck stop. Well lit, sometimes occupied. Couple of truckers there, no other civilians like us. We check under the car. There's a red and silver piece of metal wedged between part of the car and the road, about a half an inch or so off the ground. So with us in the car, it would definitely have been grinding against the ground. Can't remove it by hand, it's really wedged in there. So we kick at it to bend it and figured, well, we'll remove it when we get back. A week later, I had my mechanic take it out when he was doing a service. It was a part of a kid's tricycle. It was the red area where somebody can stand on the back. I don't know why, and I don't think they were connected or anything, but that was one of those moments for me. Totally fucked up and crazy. Oh, oh yeah, hang on. My buddy emailed me this. Hey man, I saw this on Reddit. Link removed, of course. Is this you? I was thinking about this the other day. I think it was coyotes. I heard some coyotes outside the cabin last month, and they were like kids laughing or roughhousing. And later on, they went kind of crying, and it sounded familiar. I don't know why it was coming from the bathroom. Maybe the drains in the floor were connected to where the coyotes were howling. Maybe the window or wind or just the way the noise was carrying over the desert or bouncing off the walls. I don't know. But I think it was coyotes. It sounded just like it. I was on my way home from work one day, just cruising by passing in the left lane like you're supposed to. There was this white Buick just chilling in the left lane. I get a little close to his butt because, you know, he's going slower than the first lane. Then this man starts brake checking me multiple times. Then a red light comes up and he gets over into the right lane and rolls his windows down. It was a nice day and I had mine down too. He is glaring at me and I'm like, what? You ride in the right and pass in the left. And he screams, I was in the right lane, you stupid hoe. Apparently, this middle-aged man didn't know his left from his right. After a second of arguing, this man pulls out into the middle of the intersection, makes a U-turn, and is facing the grassy median and facing me with his camera pointed at me, still screaming at me. The light turns green and I take off to get away from this man. He turns around and follows me. I go and get into two different highways, going at about 90, safely avoiding people. Then I go into the suburbs because now that he's following me, I'm about to start leading him back to work because I wasn't going to lead him back to my house. And my boyfriend was at work, so I knew I had people there to protect me or help me. The light I wanted to turn right at was busy, so I cut through a gas station and turned right, barely stopping still because cautious of others around me. 
and this man still follows me and my attempts to get away from him. At this point, I'm fed up with him and want him to follow me back to work so I can kick his ass. I get back to the road we were on and go into the left turn lane and the light was red. Instead of following me, he stays in the straight lane with his phone out of the window pointing it at my car. At that point, he stopped following me. Must have been too much out of his way, I guess. But the two highways and turnaround weren't. I hope he called the cops. My car is registered to a retired cop. And then on top of it, I know for a fact that red light he ran at the beginning has red light cameras. I hope he got popped for that and has to pay the $50. I believe he did it because I drove a 2012 Ford Mustang and people around here just don't like muscle car owners for some strange odd reason. So, to the Buick man, I hope we never meet again and you need to learn how to drive. My name is Gary, and this happened to me in my senior year of high school. I live in West Tennessee, and we usually get two or three snow days each year. The area isn't used to much snow, so normally a small amount could get us out for the day. This particular day should have been a snowy day, but for whatever reason, the school decided the roads were safe enough to drive on, even though some patches of the road still had ice on them. We were all annoyed, but went to school anyway. After school got out, I went to my friend John's house and we hung out and played video games till it got pretty dark and I decided to drive home. Mind you, the roads had gotten a little better, but some ice was still there. It's about a 15 minute drive from John's house to mine, but I was trying to be extra careful not to hit any ice. So it was going to be a little longer than usual. Pulling out of John's neighborhood, there is a blind hill behind you that always stresses me out because if someone came through fast, they may end up rear-ending me. The road isn't very busy, so it's never been a big deal. But this time, a car came over the hill right as I pulled out, and they had to slam the brakes because I just pulled out in front of them. In my defense, they were going too fast, but I still felt bad about it. They laid on the horn and were clearly angry at me, but I gave a small apology wave and went on my way with them still behind me. Ten minutes later, they are still behind me and tailgating me with their bright lights on, making it harder for me to see. I was getting nervous because they were clearly very pissed and I realized by this point that they were following me. I didn't know what to do and definitely didn't want to lead them to my house, so I started taking random turns trying to lose them, but they were right on me the whole time. Eventually, I started driving faster so that maybe I can get enough distance between us so that I could make a right turn they wouldn't see. Big mistake. In hindsight, I should have driven to the police station, but for whatever reason, I thought this was the best idea. 
Going a good deal over the speed limit, I find a turn and begin to slightly brake so I wouldn't turn full speed. But as I began to take the turn, I hit a patch of black ice and my car slid off the road and into a small ditch. Shit. I didn't want to floor it because I was afraid my car would tip over on its side. So I just sat there in disbelief until I looked up in my rearview mirror and see their car was now parked on the side of the road with the driver and passenger doors open. Before I know it, my car door swings open. A man unbuckles my seatbelt and puts me out of the car. I really regret not locking my door because the man and his friend proceeded to kick the ever-living shit out of me while I was curled up in a ball and screamed for them to stop. They just kept cussing at me and kicking until they were satisfied enough to get back in their car and drive off. At this point, I was completely shaken and got back into my car and called my mom. She told me to call the police and that she was on her way to pick me up. The police arrived, but I didn't have much to tell them other than that there were two guys in a sedan following me from that neighborhood and decided to kick my ass. It was dark, so I didn't know what kind of car it was or what they looked like, so the cops never found out who beat my ass that night. If I had just driven to the police station instead of trying to lose them, I would have saved myself a lot of pain. A few years ago, I moved to Fort Worth and then later took a job in Lubbock, Texas. I had a wedding to attend back in Missouri, so I took a load of my stuff to my new apartment in Lubbock and then drive myself to Missouri. It was a long drive and I left the wedding reception at around six or seven and headed back to Lubbock because I start my new job the very next morning. Between Lubbock and Wichita Falls, there is a three and a half hour stretch of highway that is mostly ranch country. There are a few tiny towns sprinkled in, but you can drive the entire three and a half hours and never see a car if you do it at nighttime. I happened to come through at 3 a.m. So I turned onto the highway, which runs basically straight east to west, looking forward to the last leg of the drive and finally being able to sleep. There is no one on the road, and you just have this weird, alone feeling. There was no reception for me once I left Wichita Falls until I got to Lubbock. So here I am driving through ranch country with no reception and nothing around, and I come to one of the very first little towns. On the side of the road in the middle of the town is a car that seems to be broken down. There is a woman standing there with the hood up and a jack nearby, but not actually being able to use it, and she is trying to wave me down. Normally, I stop to help in situations like this, but I really needed to get back and get some sleep for my first day of work, and the whole thing just felt wrong. As soon as I pass the car, the woman runs to the passenger side and gets in. A man springs out from hiding behind the other side of the car slams the hood down, jumps in, and starts the car, and they start driving after me. 
It was all super hurried, as soon as I didn't stop. So I did what anyone else would do and pumped it to about 80 to 90 miles per hour and hoped there wasn't a cow loose. I could see their headlights on the highway behind me for a long time, but they eventually seemed to have given up. We hadn't come to any other town or place to park off, so they had to turn around, I guess. I was super creeped out, but I kind of forgot about it until I read some stories of similar happenings. I go in at 6 a.m. and had to be at work at 8 a.m., so it got kind of lost in my power nap and first day. Once, my friends and I were driving back from the nearest decent-sized city to our crappy little hometown in rural Tennessee. Now, I had an older car, but it was in fairly good shape. No real issues aside from some carburetor problems occasionally. There were probably four or five of us in the car. One of my friends had recently read some novel where a character says, Well, Jesus, Buddha, and a bag of chips. Being wise-ass teenagers, we thought, this was hilarious for some reason. We kept coming up with various combinations of blasphemous words in the same vein as the original. After a few minutes of this, suddenly all the lights in the car just cut off, inside and outside. Nothing else was affected, just the light. Then, just as suddenly, they came back on. Obviously, we chalked it up to chance. I had never had that happen in my car before, but it's not something that can't be reasonably explained. After a few moments of nervous laughter, the blasphemy resumed. Again, the lights shut off. Now I'm worried. I thought something was really wrong with the car. My friends accused me of turning off the lights. I hadn't and convinced them of it. Again, the lights came back on. Now, I am an atheist currently, and at the time, was a pretty cynical Christian. I didn't put much faith in the thought that our banter was pissing God off, so he was sending a message. But still, sometimes you don't tempt faith, right? Well, you aren't me then. Much to the dismay of me and my friends, I decided to give it one more try. I don't remember the exact phrase, and let's assume it wasn't something you'd say to your grandmother. No sooner had the last syllable rolled off my tongue than the lights cut off for good. This time, long enough to force me to pull over and turn off the car. We all sat silently, pondering what had just happened. One of my more religious friends said a little prayer in the back seat. I kept my cynical mouth shut this time. Eventually, I started the car and the lights came on, just like normal. We rode the rest of the way home in silence. I never had a problem with anything electrical in that car after that night. The battery even lasted a couple more years until I sold it. Not long ago, my partner and I were driving through reservation land at about 11 o'clock at night in the desert, southwest of the USA. 
We were on a major highway, but as with so many highways in that area, it's not very well used, just barely paved, and with only one lane going in each direction. No lights, just reflectors embedded into the pavement. It's not uncommon to go for an hour on this highway without seeing another vehicle. I was reading a book out loud when suddenly my buddy who was driving interrupts and pulls off to the side of the road, braking quickly. Did you see that? No, I replied. See what? That van. It went off the road. I turned in my seat but couldn't make out anything, on or off the road. It was just darkness all around. He grabbed his flashlight that we keep in the car and asked me to call 911. He's in a medical profession and a lapsed licensed EMT, and I've worked in emergency response, so this isn't a super uncommon occurrence for us. Although, not even being able to see the accident was a first for me. I got on the phone with 911 immediately and set about trying to find a mile marker using my phone as a flashlight, eventually setting for giving them approximate GPS coordinates. As I had very little coverage and my GPS was acting flighty in that area, the dispatcher asked me to cross the highway carefully and try to ascertain the status of the passengers since they had just gone over a hill and presumably into the canyon below. I stay on the line while I trudged over the sand dunes on the opposite side of the highway. I was a bit nervous to be walking this area in sandals, as we had just recently been discussing the rattlesnake population in the region, and I couldn't really see where I was going and answering the dispatcher questions at the same time. But the scrubby vegetation gave me some purchase, and finally I crested the largest dune and could see the outline of the accident site. On the road, the moon was blocked by the dunes, but on this side, it was strangely bright. It took my brain a moment to make sense of what I was seeing. They had been lucky. The van had turned on its side as it slid, and the friction from the dunes had just barely prevented the entire thing from going over the edge into the massive canyon below. My partner called out to me and asked me to check on the woman in the van, and I saw that next to him, standing with a scarecrow-like stiffness, was a young man. He looked dazed and didn't seem to be answering many questions. I got the darkest vibe off that guy that I've ever encountered. I felt goosebumps crawling up my back, and it was just like there was a permanent ring of shadow around him. I felt very uneasy knowing that either of us were anywhere near him and made a point to keep visually checking on him. I proceeded to the site and around the van and called out to identify myself. I heard the voice of a woman inside, and as I walked around the windshield, I could see her. She was crouched in the passenger cabin, clearly in shock, her feet bleeding as she shifted back and forth in the broken glass of the driver's side window. A tall, willowy woman, thin and pale with dark hair. There was also a massive wolfhound panting. It appeared equally stunned. I saw that they had managed to pry the passenger side door open 
and the man must have climbed out through the top that way. The woman spoke with me for a time, calmly and with an urgency I couldn't quite identify in her voice, and I relayed that information to the dispatcher. Yes, it was just the two of them. No, they didn't seem to be seriously injured. No, nobody has fallen asleep at will. They were on their way to Texas to visit families, what they told me. They were living under their van. What I remember most clearly is that I made a couple of attempts to convince her to either climb out of the roof or through the back to clear away from the van just to be safe. But she politely refused each time. She said that she didn't want to leave the dog. There was something... Uh, just wrong about her demeanor. People react differently to stress, and she seemed alert and competent. So I put it to the back of my mind, but I kept being struck by a strangeness in her handling of the situation. Dispatch and I agreed that the paramedics could probably easily break the windshield to free them, and there was no sign of fuel, so it was fine for her to stay in there until they arrived. Once I double-checked that she was secure and wasn't going to go anywhere, I handed off the phone to my partner while I went out to wave in the paramedics, who had accidentally passed the site and were backing towards us from further away up the highway, looking for our flashlight thanks to the dispatcher. They pulled off the ways up from the site, and I began to brief them when we all heard dispatch Come over the radio. Please be advised that the male passenger is AMS and considered dangerous. AMS stands for altered mental status, suggesting that someone isn't in their normal frame of mind for any of a variety of reasons. We all stopped in our tracks. The paramedics exchanged a glance and one went back to the ambulance for additional equipment. I was eager to get back to my partner to make sure he didn't communicate that to the dispatch out of concern for his safety. But when we arrived on the site, they were still talking quietly. I went to my car to find shoes for the woman. The passengers were placed in different ambulances, and the police arrived to take interviews all around. Just as we were about to leave, an officer taking our statement turned to us and said, it's real messed up. I guess she was driving and he wanted to kill them both, so he grabbed the will and overpowered her. It's lucky either of them are alive. After a couple of hours, when we were back to driving, my partner proceeded to fill in the details. When he first got to the scene, the woman was yelling that he had tried to kill her and not to leave her alone with him. She also said that if he got out, he needed to be restrained as he was a danger to himself and others. The man was very eager to be out of the vehicle. Bewildered, my partner had nonetheless helped the guy pry the door open. And once he was out, the guy had just clammed up and wouldn't do much more than nod or shake his head in response to questions. He kept thinking that the guy might take off and get lost in the desert, but in the end, he had waited. He said the guy had seemed agitated, so he was doing his best to keep him engaged and distracted until help could arrive. It was chilling to realize that what he had thought was an accident 
was actually a murder-suicide attempt. I really wanted to accompany the woman to the hospital, but for unrelated reasons, we couldn't remain. We went back that way during the day on our return trip a week later. We pulled over at the site and climbed over the dunes to see whether they had managed to tow the van over all of that sand, and sure enough, it was gone. What was unnerving was the realization, upon seeing the landscape during the day, that if he had chosen any other spot to grab the wheel, four miles in both directions, they would have been straight over a cliff almost immediately. In the dark, there was no way for him to tell, but he had chosen the only spot where they realistically could have survived the accident. My partner had opted for a head-on collision instead of the off-cliff option. He would have been toast. It was a sobering thought. I think of the woman I met that night often, and of her wolf-bound, being gingerly coaxed in to the back seat of the police car. I really hope that they are in a much better place now. As for the guy who tried to kill them all, I certainly hope that he gets help, and that we never have cause to meet again. As someone who has grown up in an infamous haunted plantation, I've never actually been scared of ghosts. Curious and intrigued, yes, but never scared. In fact, I have gone through a lot of trouble just to go to a haunted house or location. I live in Virginia, so there are a lot of places to check out. There has only been one incident that has really scared me. Super bad. I'll never go ghost hunting again. And it wasn't even anything paranormal. When this particular incident happened, I was about 19 years old. My boyfriend at the time and I were very explorative, and we made it into a thing to go out around midnight and go ghost hunting at random places. He lived in Williamsburg, Virginia, so there were lots of places to go. We would go around the Newport News area as well. Some famous places that we visited often were Old Housewoods, Crawford Road, Roswell House, etc. One night, we decided we were bored and wanted to get our group of friends together to do some ghost hunting. We got three of our friends on board and got ready to head out for the night. Usually, we would smoke a few blunts on the ride and when we were nice and toasted, we would go to our destination. On this night, we decided to check out Roswell and then on our way back home, we were going to take a detour through Crawford Road. The night started out really fun. We basically couldn't stop laughing the entire night. One of my friends, on the other hand, couldn't shake this bad feeling he was having. He insisted that we go home or get some food at a fast food place. He was also insisting that we skip Crawford Road because it was too out of the way from their apartment complex. Me and my boyfriend are very insistent that we check out Crawford Road, and since my boyfriend was driving, my friend didn't get a say in the matter. He jumped back in the car, got some McDonald's, and headed to Crawford. Crawford Bridge is just this little bridge on a very desolated, creepy road. If I remember correctly, the road was about 10 miles long, 
the bridge was where they could go to hang slaves, so that area had common reports of ghost sightings. When we got on Crawford Road, we decided that when we got to the bridge, we would get out to get a better look and take pictures. I remind you that this was about 1.30 a.m. My boyfriend and I were not scared, but I guess the idea of that scared the shit out of my friend, who was already freaking out previously. At the time, I thought my friend being scared all of a sudden was extremely strange, because he usually loved doing this stuff. He kept on saying he had a bad feeling. He had a bad feeling, and he always trusts his gut. We should have listened, but we were too stubborn, and we were almost to the bridge. Right as we came around the corner to see the bridge, we saw a car just parked on the side of the road. As we got a little closer to the car, the car came on, and so did the light. We assumed that it was some teenagers checking out the landmark like we were, but we were passing them. Then I saw the outline of two older men, and I did see that they were both bald. It sent chills down my spine. So I told my boyfriend to keep driving, and he agreed that we shouldn't stop or get out. We passed slowly, but when we were about to turn the corner for the bridge to be out of view, I saw that the car slowly turned around, turned on its high beams, and started to follow us. At first, we were a little freaked out, but, you know, coincidences happen. About two miles down the road, this car was right on our tail. We decided to go faster than normal to lose them. The speed limit on this road was between 30 to 40 miles per hour. We were going 65 to try and shake this car. The whole time the car was so close to ours, it was almost touching. At this point, we are all officially freaked out. My friend, who was originally freaking out, was in tears now. We officially were being chased down by these guys. I felt a lot of relief when I saw that there was a turn onto a driveway up ahead. There were almost no cars on the road, so we didn't even stop at the stop sign. We ran right through it, and so did the car behind us. We saw a 7-Eleven up ahead, and we decided that if we turned into it, they would just keep going and leave us alone. Nope. They followed us right into the 7-Eleven parking lot. We would be the only ones in the parking lot together, and at that time, I don't think any of us wanted to come face to face with the mysterious bald man. My boyfriend unexpectedly punched it out of the parking lot, followed by the mysterious car. At this point, we all honestly thought we were going to die. We had no idea what the intentions were of these people, but... We knew that it obviously wasn't good, and we had been specifically targeted. Once we got on the road, we were flying. I mean, we hit 100 miles per hour easy. We were all screaming, and I managed to call the police, but I was in hysterics, going 100 miles per hour in an area that I was not familiar with, and with this car chasing us. At some point, the car got from behind us and got into the other lane. This was a two-lane highway, and there was no passing allowed on this road. I looked over, thought I saw a flash of something metallic 
come up over their window, possibly a gun. And then all of a sudden, my boyfriend slams on his brakes. The other car keeps going 100 miles per hour as we quickly try to turn around. When I look back, I see them stopping and also trying to turn around. By the time they turned around, we were already flying in the other direction. Somehow, I'm not sure how, but we lost them. We decided to find the most populated area we could. Once we found a random apartment complex, we stopped the car and we all started crying. My friend who told us we shouldn't go was yelling at us. He was going on about how we needed to be more careful and start trusting our instincts. Let me tell you, I have never not trusted his gut instincts again. This could have gone a lot worse than that, and I'm very thankful that it didn't. Later that month, I had learned that the area was known for gang activity. Unfortunately, I learned the hard way that anything could happen at any time. I was very stupid and stubborn back then. All those times we went ghost hunting. Not once did I think that there could have been a murderer there waiting for a group of kids. Stupid like us to come by. So, creepy bald guys on Crawford Road. Let's not meet again. And that, dear listeners, brings a close to these true, disturbing, driving-at-night stories. I'd like to take a moment and give a very special shout-out to the Reformed members of Back to Ashes. Tammy Slayton, Mrs. Innerscare, Tina Mee, Colt Stone Wolf, Luz Crispin, C.A.G., Denise S., Samantha Place, Stephanie McLaren, Corpse Lover, Normie D.W., Christy Elias, Cindy Cleveland, and Patty's niece. Thank you all for your continued support. My heart and soul are forever grateful. If you are sleeping, I hope Slumberland is treating you comfortably. If you are awake, I hope you've enjoyed this collection. Until next time, please take care of yourselves. I'll read to you soon. Have yourself a good morning, a good afternoon, or a good evening. Peace, love, and light to you all.